right, welcome to the very first episode of the Church Lies Podcast. This is the podcast where we expose the lies of the church one scripture at a time. I'm your host, Ernest Wills. You can call me E-Dub, and I'm joined by my co-host. Go ahead, introduce yourself. Yo, my name's Ismail. Um, I love long walks on the beach and Frosted Flakes and tea. Um, I can't go to the beach right now, but I did just eat some Frosted Flakes and I have some tea. So, you know. Um, Two out of three ain't bad. Exactly. Two out of three ain't bad at all. All right, so what we're going to do is we're just going to introduce ourselves as far as our background, who we are, what we're doing, and why we're doing this. So church lies, yes. We're talking about the lies that's in the church. And the reason why we're doing that is because we were both born and raised in the church, and we were both told, you know, the main stuff that you hear in the Christian church, specifically the black church. You know, if you say that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, that means you're going to go to heaven when you die. Being a good Christian means don't drink, don't smoke, don't have sex until you're married, don't you know, lie on people, uh, go to church, go to Sunday school, join the choir, join the usher board, be in some type of ministry and give 10% of your money to the church. That's that's what we heard growing up. And for me, about three years ago, uh, I came into an understanding that many of the things that was going on in church was just just flat out lies, hypocrisy, deceit, the whole nine. Now, uh, this is not, we're not intending to attack anybody personally. This is not um, a gotcha where it's like all of y'all that's in church, we hate y'all, y'all going to hell. And that ain't, that's not what this is about. What we're doing is we're exposing the things that are said in church the lies that are in the church, the questions that people have about church, about God, about his word, that we're silenced about. We were silenced about growing up. And so what we're going to do is we're going to get into all of these lies because it's a lot of them. It's a lot of them. So for me, my background, I was a preacher in the church. I was a preacher in the Baptist church. I'm not going to name the name of the church, but uh, I was a preacher. I got licensed when I was 19 years old. I got ordained um, when I was, I think I was 24, 25, and I'm 33 now. Uh, I officially left the church uh, when I was 30 in 2017. I officially left. I stopped going uh, for a couple years before that, but I officially left uh, in 2017. And since then, I've been searching the scriptures, um, looking at what really goes on in the church and what really goes on with our people, black people. Um, this podcast is targeted towards black Christians. We want black Christians to think about why they do what they do when it comes to church and God, why they believe what they believe, and to simply ask questions, to simply critically think. Because we talk about that all the time. Church is the one place where we don't critically think. I think yeah. I think when our buddy said we, we just don't critically think at church. We just take whatever we spoon fed and we think that we just believe it. 
and we just keep it moving without questioning anything. We question everything else. We question our boss. We question school. We question the healthcare system, but we don't question church and what we're told. And so we about to expose that stuff. So is go ahead and talk about uh, your background in the church. Uh, how you felt growing up in the church and why you feel like you need to do this yeah, now. Yeah, so um, like, like uh, Ernest said, I've been in it, like uh, we went to the same church. I've been in it all my life. It was essentially from childhood, it was going to their uh, a Christian academy, to a Catholic school, all that stuff, the whole night. And um, I was inquiry, usher board, there was a lot of ministries I was a part of. So um, about, I want to say, um, it was pretty much, it wasn't a, it was a little by little thing. And then it was all of a sudden where I would be sitting, like I would be in choir rehearsals and, you know, usher meetings and stuff and even just different church services. And I would just start feeling unfulfilled. <clears throat> it was literally just a feeling of, I there's there's something not right, and mm -hmm. over time I started losing interest, losing that zeal for singing in the choir and all and other ministries, and I couldn't really explain it. It was like it was just kind of like a falling away. It was, and it was mainly it was just like I, I didn't have the drive to keep doing it because it became monotonous, and mm. instead. Um, I started noticing some things where it was instead of like I would just be sitting in the service just noticing different um, patterns that um, I would it was just odd where it's just like oh um, okay so it looks like this person okay they're playing this music all right this person here this person here this person here is going to start shouting that person over there is going to do this that person there was going to do this and all of that stuff would transpire. And I was like, it started, I started, well, the the pageantry of everything started to become revealed to me. And it was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't like where this is going. Um, so essentially I stopped going to church and it was like for a couple of years. But then um, essentially once I actually, like a, once I actually started doing some digging, into scriptures, into um, the history of the church, into the different words that we use. That's when that essentially February of 2019, that was pretty much mm -hmm. when I just completely stopped going to church. And like you said, mm -hmm. um, church is, is literally the one place where we don't, where our critical thinking caps get turned off. We're mm -hmm. think about the choices that we make when it comes to voting, but that's a mm -hmm. different subject because even then, we're only taught to think so much of regarding that. We're taught to think about mm -hmm. our career choices, our health care, our everything. We're taught to critically think everything. But when it comes to church, we blindly um, walk by faith. And even then, faith is based on um, misquoted verses and out-of-context places. And mm -hmm. whenever anybody brings it up, I'm sure that... Um, I'm sure that if anybody listens to the podcast, you probably had some questions regarding the church. Probably if you grew up in a church as long, like, you probably had certain questions like, hey, how come um, 
we celebrate the Sabbath on a Sunday when it says that it's on the Sabbath today, Saturday. But when right. were, like just simple questions like that and the answers that they gave were either something that didn't make sense or literally they probably said, yeah, 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 but, you know, we celebrated on Sunday now. And you're probably thinking, well, when they when they switched it, <laughs> when they do when they do that, <laughs> hey hey, when when the Most High say we supposed to change today? When when first did they say that they, he uh, switched today? But you most likely just went along with it because it's like, well, everybody else is doing it. So clearly, something 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 mm-hmm. I yep. might have been doing wrong. Look, yep. it wasn't anything that you were doing wrong. It was essentially people just didn't. Um, teach you. It's a. It's literally mm-hmm. a system of of rituals and yeah, essentially a system of rituals and tradition that was passed on for decades, from for a couple centuries now, where mm-hmm. we just decided to just keep doing what the past, what the past people kept doing, because that's what they knew. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, we have access to so much information now than they did back then that it's, it's honestly no excuse for you to essentially just keep riding along, um, just continuing to do what you do, knowing that we have a, we have Google now. We have stuff now that we can look into. Um, and we don't necessarily have to stick with what we've been told is important to challenge these systems and challenge these um, these traditions to make sure that we're actually making the right decision and cr- critically thinking for ourselves and mm-hmm. um, to ensure that, you know, that we're aiming to serve the right way. Now, no, like, like what Ernest said earlier, this is not a gotcha moment. This isn't a uh, well, you you you've been you're dumb because you've been doing this none this none of that. It, it, this is none of that. This is essentially a podcast right. to essentially is geared towards making you think, making you think about right. the things that you've been told, uh, making you ask the ask the questions that you wanted to ask but you never were able to ask, or to get answers from the questions that you probably asked and you just gave got a bad answer. Or at all, mm-hmm. like the our our goal is not to offend, but what we're doing is going to be offensive. And if this does offend you, you really need to check your heart because honestly, all we're doing is coming from our own experience in church and talking about what the scripture says as far as what we're supposed to be doing and what certain concepts mean and comparing them to what we've been told in church. Cause a lot of the stuff is simply not true. And you got to ask yourself if this stuff is not true or these things that we're being told do not line up with the word. Why are we doing it? Where did it come from? And that's when you really start digging. That's when you really start questioning. And in church, they don't like that. They don't like when you question the norms. They don't like when you question what has always been. They don't like when you question the the tradition. They don't like when these things are questioned. And so they just tell people, well, well, we don't challenge the pastor. 
well, we don't challenge this doctrine. Well, we don't do that when the scripture clearly says otherwise. And so what we're trying to do is to just put information out there. Most of the information that we're putting out there comes from the good book itself. We're we talking about scriptures. We're talking about how stuff taken out of context. We're talking about these beliefs and ideologies that we have and where they came from. Because if you think about it, most black people are Christians because their parents, whose, whose parents, whose parents, grandparents were Christians. And that goes all the way back to slavery. Now, it's very interesting that the slave master was also a Christian, that the overseer was also a Christian, that this nation was built on Christian Christianity and slavery at the same time. How is that possible? When a true Christian loves his neighbor as himself, I can't love somebody and treat them the way we were treated as slaves. But these are Christians. Right, man. Yeah. These are Christians who are doing this. <laughs> who who feeding black babies to alligators, using them as gator bait. These are Christians. Yeah, and I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that once you realize that essentially most those people ascribe to the same belief system that you that you described to, you're mm -hmm. probably just like, uh, something's not right. How, how is mm -hmm. that they're able to get salvation and I'm able to get salvation mm -hmm. from the same source? When in the, if mm -hmm. you read the passages in the word, it's like, well, they don't even condone, they don't condone slavery. They don't even condone uh, oppressors. They like, yo, you don't even, don't even be like your oppressor. So why is this person essentially saying, oh, well, you know, if I die, I go to heaven just like you. Mm -hmm. Committing these this these acts of wickedness and all of this stuff. And how are you able to get the same salvation that I'm going to be getting, and I'm supposed to be getting? I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that, that just happens to be our topic for the day. The, the, the first lie that we are exposing in the church is the lie about being saved. What that means. So for me, I've always been told that being saved means you go to heaven when you die. If you say, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. I make you Lord over my life. If you simply say those words, then you are saved, which means when you die, you go to heaven. Right. Yeah. It's, you've been told you, something similar to that. If you believe in the heart of the Lord Jesus and, and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, then you will be saved. And those who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the first lie that we're gonna get into. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I didn't have anything to add. That was just the two verses okay. I remember. Okay, so that that scripture comes from Romans 10, Romans chapter 10, mm -hmm. uh, verses 9 and 10. And, you know, if, you, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard about the Roman road to salvation. Yeah, yeah, we had to memorize that. Yep, yep, it's, it's Romans chapter uh, 3, verse 10, then Romans chapter 3, verse 23, 
Then I think it was uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 or 12. I can't remember all of them. But it ends with, after you see that you're a sinner, and you see that God came to, to establish righteousness, and he did it through Jesus, mm -hmm. all you have to do is confess in your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's Romans 10, 9. Uh, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, mm -hmm. and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's 10, 10. And then 13, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then we've been told all of that salvation, all that saved, all of that just means when you die, you go to heaven. Yep. And we're going to expose that lie because that ain't nowhere in the word. Yeah. It, so, yep. Yeah, it, it really isn't. And that's something that, um, one of those, that's one of those items that you don't really seek to find. It's just something that was taught to you where it's just like, oh yeah, you know, you, when you do, when you do this, oh yeah, you're saved and it's a, and everything is good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'll let you continue because I, I, I got some other stuff to say. Okay. So the first thing I want to say about that. So the, the, the main scripture that is used is Romans chapter 10, verses 9, 10, and 13. The, these scriptures mm -hmm. mean if you say Jesus is Lord, I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he got up on the third day and I make him Lord over my life. They use these scriptures to say that if you believe that when you die, you go to heaven. So the first thing that we got to deal with is who Paul is talking to. Yeah. And in order to do that, you got to put the scriptures in context. So I go back to the first verse of the chapter. Paul is very specific about who he's talking to. He says, brethren. And so anytime you see the word brethren in the scripture, that means he's literally talking about his people. So in America, we've, we've been brainwashed to believe that well, we're all Americans. That ain't true. We, we're not all Americans because when people from India come here, they come here with their food. They come here with their customs. They build businesses with each other. They buy from one another and they keep their customs. They are in America, but they are still practicing the customs that they practice in India. But we as black people are asked to assimilate mm -hmm. into white America, to forget our culture, forget our customs and do what they do. So when the scripture talks about brethren, he's talking about a identity or an ethnicity of people. He is talking to his fellow brothers and sisters as far as the 12 tribes of Jacob, the Israelites. So anytime you see that in the scripture where a disciple or an apostle says brother, he's literally talking to his people. So today, for us, that would be us talking to our brothers and sisters, black folk, the so-called Negro. That's, that's who he's talking to. And so he says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God is that all Israel may be saved. So first thing is he's saying in this context, being saved is about Israel. Being saved is about Israel. It's not about everybody. It's not about the Gentiles. It's not about the Egyptians. It's not about the, it's about Israel. And so if that's the case, then we got to ask ourselves, if he's saying that his prayer that Israel can be saved, how is it that people who are outside of Israel can say 
where Jesus is Lord, I make him Lord over my life, and I'm saved. And I'm good. I go to heaven when I die. We're critically thinking now. Mm-hmm. We got to ask ourselves that. Okay? So, another thing I want to point out, and it's, I want you to get more into this, is the concept of a precept. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we, we, we got to talk about that. Yes. The, 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 yeah, so um, let, let, let me say this again. Hold, hold on, let me say this and then I'll let you I'll let you go. So the the concept of a precept is that whatever is in the New Testament, it was made mention of in the Old Testament first. And so if you see anything in the New Testament, you have to go back to the Old Testament to figure out where it came from. Go ahead, Yeah, so um I love I love uh, talking about precepts because of the fact that um, a lot of essentially the New Testament is just based on precepts. Um, even mm-hmm. when it comes to anything that Paul, um, any of Paul's letters are contains many, not only many precepts, but his letters are are a precept in and of itself. When you go to Acts, mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. like let's say in Acts. Uh, and Acts from chapters 21 through 24 is essentially that segment is about um, him leading it's leading up to the events leading up to his trial and then him being on trial because people were accusing him of not following the laws and statutes commandments and telling people all you had to do is just believe and mm-hmm. um, it's from those verse it's from those chapters and Acts essentially you have to make a decision for yourself before you can even move forward into any of his letters, but we'll get to that in another lesson. But um, for right now, we're going to talk about um, just precepts. A lot of times when it comes to um, Jesus as well as Paul, um, a lot of the things that they're mentioning um, is quoted in the Old Testament. Because you also remember Mm -hmm. in the people that were living during the New Testament times, didn't have the New Testament. They didn't, there was no New Testament. It was right. all Old Testament. So right. essentially, all they're kicking, all they're uh, quoting is Old Testament scripture. Or they'll, or they'll make mention, like um, what Jesus would probably say, he was like, oh, as, as Daniel said, or Ezekiel said, or, and those are precepts, mm-hmm. pretty much um, verses or just uh, statements said by people in the past just to confirm what's happening today or just to confirm another event or another thing that's happening or to um, reestablish something that was set before. And mm-hmm. um, when it comes to the church, we've lost, the, we've lost the context of how to not only utilize a precept, but also um, contextualizing and stating the precept as, as a whole. Perfect example right. would be um, Hosea four six. That's Hosea chapter yep. four verse six. Um, that that verse is essentially um, for my people are destroyed for lack of for lack of knowledge. I'm sure that you've heard this verse many a times, and probably you've I've heard, heard it all the yeah. time. <laughs> hey, they, probably, they quoted it to me and everything, and, and you probably heard that quote without knowing where that were um what book it came from, what chapter, what verse. You probably just heard that. You know, you're like, oh, you know, like. You probably somebody probably said, well, like they say, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, 
and not even realizing that that's only one part of the verse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Essentially explains um, why they lack the knowledge and what was the knowledge and what was their punishment. Because it's like right. people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. For they rejected because they rejected the knowledge of my commandments, of my laws, of the Torah, essentially. Mm-hmm. And essentially it caused um, the most high to forget the forget them and to forget their children. So it's mm-hmm. it's a lot that it's a lot different once you actually get the full context of the verse as opposed to that first portion of the verse. So when it comes to any, any of the New Testament, it requires it absolutely requires like uh, prior to you getting into Paul's there's just sticking with the Gospels. Um, it requires mm-hmm. you to have a great a good to great understanding of the Old Testament because that's the foundation of what's to come in the New Testament. If you don't understand any of the precepts that Jesus kicks or especially Paul kicks because they like a lot of times they won't even state where they where they got this from. They expect you mm-hmm. to know because when it came to Jesus he did not uh, go about hand hand holding people through um the Torah or the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. You to already know that. That's the milk. You should already know that. Yep. Right now it's the meat. And he would out of time to end the stuff by saying he that had an ear, let him hear, which pretty much stated mm-hmm. it's for who it's for. If you understand what I'm saying, right. cool, you with me. Right. You whatever. That's and that's, that's also, on you. Um, exactly. That's also why he spoke in precepts because he, he his disciples were like, hey, yo, why are you speaking in precepts? He's like, yeah, because I don't have time to explain. These are set up as right. as a stumbling blocks. Because if you don't have the proper foundation, then you don't need to be hearing this stuff. So, right, right. The the parables was confusing to them mm-hmm. because they didn't know the precepts that they were supposed to know. Right. And, yep. Ab- absolutely. And a lot of times we have been conditioned into thinking that oh you know the old testament all we needed to know was the creation exodus and uh, and even with exodus a couple psalms a couple a, a handful of psalms proverbs psalm 23 yeah, psalms 100 exactly <laughs> proverbs and the rest of that stuff is just filler and right and the rest of the stuff we can just oh, and um uh, David and Goliath, and that's about it. That was pretty much the hot mm-hmm. And then we can just move forward into the New Testament because we don't really need to learn anything else about the Old Testament. I'm pretty sure. Right. I'm pretty sure you, people have probably questioned why we don't go over certain books <laughs> in the Word, yep. <clears throat> like yep. Obadiah or yep. um, any of the other lesser prophets. And you're just like, wait, hold up, I've never read this book. Yeah, because it's it's uh, there's a reason why you haven't. But um, to get back on the precepts, uh, when it comes to uh, Jesus, especially Paul, you have to have a under a great understanding of where these precepts came from and the context of when they're speaking it, and to read. And I can't stress this enough. 
to read. I know that I know that seems like a weird concept to read, but yes, I know. Because a lot of times when it comes to the church, um, you you will read one thing where it states that oh we're the the word says that we're supposed to be doing this, but then people start to philosophize or, or philosophize or the word pretty much <laughs> by their own, like completely by their own understanding and how they feel and like, well, even though this verse specifically talks about washing my hands, you know, what that actually means is that the hands is the food that you eat. And then all you got to do is just say that, hey, yo, that, the, that doesn't defile me. So, and you're like, I don't think it's that deep. It's just this. And, and most times it is just that. Mm-hmm. The, the way you know somebody is about to make something up about a scripture that they read is when they say, I feel or I feel in my spirit <laughs> that this is what they're saying. I used to hear that in church all the time, but he, he not he not asking us what we feel. He's giving us directions and he's saying, this is what you need to do. If you do it, this is what's going to happen. If you don't do it, this is what's going to happen. It is what it is. And so the whole, well, I feel the scripture saying this, or I feel the scripture saying that, that's what you call, in a, that's a seminary word, that's called eisegesis. Eisegesis is the personal interpretation of your script of the scripture that you read. When we're not supposed to do that, what we're supposed to do is exegesis. And what that means is just you read the scripture for what it is. You read it for what it says, and you understand it for what it says in its proper context. Okay? So we about uh, 30 minutes in. We only got about 30 minutes left, so we're going we gonna to move forward. But the real... Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, uh, let's get back to um, salvation, because we essentially have to you know, hit people to what a precept is. So it's important to right. uh, get back into um, what salvation is, as well as essentially what the word actually means and the context of what he's saying it or why he's saying it. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing to understand about that is this. So Romans 10 is, is the main scripture that's used in the church to talk about being saved and salvation. But Romans 10 has a precept. First of all, you have to read and understand the first nine chapters of Romans. The second thing you need to do is go back to the Torah and Deuteronomy 30. Romans 10 is simply re-explaining Deuteronomy 30. We don't have time to get into that. To explain everything that he's saying in Deuteronomy 30, that would require a whole nother entire session. Uh, probably, probably a series of, of sessions. But in, in your own time, if you got free time, go look back at Deuteronomy 30 and see what Paul is referring to in Romans 10. But to get to salvation. So what does being saved literally mean? We've been to talk about what it really means according to the word. All right. So the first thing that we're going to look at is uh, the concordance. So when we look at being saved, being saved, you shall be saved. We are being saved. 
that word is Yesha or Yeshua. Okay. Salvation, I believe, is salvation is Yeshua and being saved or to be saved is yes, Yesha. Mm -hmm. And according to the concordance, that is uh, H3467. Now, if you read what the definition says according to the concordance and what I use for the concordance, I use the website Blue Letter Bible. I think it's blueletterbible.org. Yeah. Might be .com. Yeah, blueletterbible.org. It is a phenomenal tool to cross-reference scripture and different verses and see what the word really uh, was intended to mean. And so when, I, when we look at that word, salvation, Yeshua or Yeshua, the concordance says that it is to be saved or delivered, to be liberated in battle. Now, Call me crazy, but that don't sound like being saved from hellfire. No, that, it, it don't. It don't sound like that. No, it's, no. it sounds like I'm in a fight and I can't beat up the person I'm fighting, and somebody comes and rescues me yeah. from being from being beat up. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like physical. Right. It's, it's, it sounds like a physical salvation, and so when I look at at that now if you look on bible gateway blue letter bible anything like that if you look at the word saved the word saved comes up in the bible over a hundred times i believe it's 106 times all of those times not every single one but most of those times he is specifically referring to being delivered from trouble or being delivered from an enemy and we're going to go over a couple scriptures that it, that put the word saved in this context. So the first one, and I'm going to just read through these kind of quick. The first one is Exodus 40, uh, Exodus chapter 40, verse 30. And the Most High saved Israel that day out of the hands of the Egyptians. He saved them. It's that same word that saved them from the Egyptians. Now, was the Egyptians sending the Israelites to hell? No. It was more of a physical hell, I guess, but it was a, a physical hell, a bondage. Okay. So he saved them from bondage. He saved them from oppression. Okay. So let's get going. Uh, the next one that we're going to look at is Numbers 10 and 9. When you go to war in your land against the enemy who oppresses you, then you shall sound the alarm with the trumpets and you will be remembered before the Lord your God. And you will be saved from your enemies. So this is the same word, H3467, Yeshua or Yesha, but it's still a salvation or deliverance from your enemies. Yep. Still physical. Hmm. Still, still, it's still a physical one. Okay, let's go to the next scripture. First Chronicles 1635. And say, save us, O God of our salvation. Gather us and deliver us from the Gentiles. Give thanks to your holy name to triumph in your praise. So once again, we, we, we asking the creator to save us from some people. Yeah. Some people that's bothering us. That they won't leave us alone. That's oppressing us. That's antagonizing us. That's accusing us. 
So so far, we we up to Chronicles, and we still that's that's all we got is a physical salvation. Okay, so let's let's keep going. I got we got three more in the Old Testament, and they they all in Psalms. Now, do your own research. Look up these scriptures yourself, and look up all the rest of the scriptures that talk about being saved in the Old and the New Testament. We don't have time to go through all of them. We're only going through a handful. So the next few are in Psalms. The first one is Psalm 18, verse 3. I will call upon the Most High who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Another physical salvation. Psalm, 30, Psalm 34, verse 6. This poor man cried out, and the Most High heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Troubles, physical. Physical issues, physical problems. Again, Psalm 107.13, this is the last one from the Old Testament. And there's a reason why we're going to have to distinguish between the Old Testament and the New, and I'm explaining that in a little bit. They cried out to the Most High in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. So all of these scriptures, when I see the word saved, it refers specifically to what the concordance says. It is a physical salvation. It is a physical deliverance from hardship, from persecution of your enemies, from oppression, from trouble, from distress, from peril. So when we see salvation in the Old Testament, that's what he's talking about. Now, let's go to the New Testament and to see if anything changes. So if you was raised in church, anything like that, or know anything about, just a little bit about the scripture, we was told that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew or Aramaic. And the New Testament was written in Greek, right? Yep. We've been told that, right? So that word yesha does not come up again in the New Testament because the New Testament was not translated in Hebrew. It was translated in Greek. So the word to save or to be saved or salvation. So let's, let's do it like this. So to be saved is sozo. In the Greek, that's the Greek word. And it is number, it's G4982, according to uh, the concordance. G4982, sozo. The word for salvation is soteria. For, for my, my seminary people, you know, soteriology is the study of salvation, right? So... Soteria is the Greek word for salvation, and that is G4991. Now, let's look at these definitions. So, they say, to save, to keep safe, to rescue from danger or destruction, to save from suffering, to preserve one who is in danger of destruction. So when I look at these definitions, they mirror the same definitions that we saw from the word Yesha and Yeshua in the Old Testament. So that says to me, well, this save must be the same save that was in the Old Testament. Hmm. That's interesting. So let's look at some scriptures to put it in context. So this word sozo. Being saved. That is in Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. 
and you will be hated by all. I'm sorry, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Hmm. You will be hated by all, but he who endures to the end will be saved. That doesn't sound like being saved from hellfire. Yeah. That sounds like being saved despite people around you hating you. And going now, through hardships. Going, going through some, some pain. Now, if we look at the world around us, if we just look at America, what, what identity of people is the people that's the most hated right now and have been the most hated here in America? Yeah, I mean, I... I was gonna say black people. That's pretty much black. it. Negroes? Yeah. No, they love us. Nah, they love us. I mean, we we call the police. They come running to help us. They don't come running to shoot us in the back. I mean, they don't do that. Of course not. What? They don't do that. Hey, look. All right. They don't do that. We call nine one one because the fire is happening. They come right on over. Of course they do. Like, like they they don't they don't take you know hour hour and a half. They don't do that. Well, yes, of course they they you know they come right right on time. Like that one time that, um, okay, that wasn't it. There was another no, 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 that wasn't no, no, that wasn't. It. So, so these, so these people don't really like melanated folk over here. That's but he said you will be hated by all for my name's sake. So I'm hated by all of these other people. Remember, Negroes were scattered all over the world. We didn't just come here. And every place that we're scattered, we're being oppressed right now, to this day. Yeah. There are some countries that don't even count us in the census. Oh, dang, that's messed up. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's, it's, it's like, we don't even, they're not even here. Yeah. <laughs> that's how bad it is those people, in some countries. I don't know those people. They, 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 don't, even, they don't exist. They don't exist. That, that's hmm. messed up. Hey, hmm. the, um, what's interesting about that is um, the... The correl- like not the correlation. Um, essentially, we're essentially taught about a spiritual like. Of course, and there is spiritual warfare. We're talking about mm-hmm. a spiritual. We always are taught about a, a spiritual salvation, a spiritual, spiritual, mm-hmm. spiritual. When the word is about physical, 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 and even they talk about warring, they talk about being oppressed and being saved from their oppression. But mm-hmm. uh, and then there's ways of like pretty much calling out, asking to be saved from our oppression. But what we're essentially taught is to pray for our oppressor. Yep. And pray, and even when it's saved, we're not even talking about being saved in the physical sense. We're talking mm-hmm. about being saved in a spiritual sense, foregoing our salvation uh, for another life, for another lifetime. Um, when we think of enduring to the end is essentially when we die that's we'll be saved through death and um, once we die that's when we'll get our salvation when if you look in the word they received their salvation they're being saved they're essentially their reward when they were alive The, mm-hmm. the, the Israelites when they escaped from Egypt they didn't have to die to escape. Yep. They yep. they asked to be saved, and then they were saved. When yep. uh, the, uh, Joshua was warring and David was warring, when people were being oppressed, they asked the Most High to be saved. 
They didn't say, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? Um, we're going through a tough time right now. But look, let's pray for the Canaanites. You know what? Let us pray for the Babylonians. I could have swore they was praying for the Egyptians when they was. You know what? That, I, that making them bricks. I could have swore that's what they was doing. Those two verses. Must they were saying, "Please, yeah, we pray for the Egyptians." Yeah, yeah, those pages must have been stuck together. Like, Ooh. nowhere does it say that. Oh yeah, you know, we need to pray for our oppressor. We need to pray for our enemies. You know, for them to have their hearts changed and everything. Some people, you know what? You, you just gonna have to. They just gonna have to take the L and just be like, yo, hey. I I need to be saved from you. And mm-hmm. nowhere that in the word does it say that, hey, yo, you know what? Um, we're just gonna forego this physical salvation, and uh, when we die, that's when we get our reward because that that was never the context of salvation. But we've been not in the Bible. Yes, but we've been conditioned to, into thinking that our salvation is mainly spiritual. And we're just mm-hmm. endure, 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 endure this pain and not ask the Most High for uh, punishing the people who's causing this pain, punishing the system mm-hmm. that's causing this pain, mm-hmm. even um, asking for our people, our specific people to be saved. We have been conditioned mm-hmm. to uh, essentially be this country's prayer warriors. Where mm-hmm. we're supposed to be tasked with saving everybody, when even in the word he states that not everybody's gonna be saved. Yep. <laughs> in a physical sense and in the spiritual sense. When when I look at what David prayed for his enemies, he, he didn't he didn't pray that his enemies would have a change of heart. He prayed for the most high to destroy them. He prayed to for them. Utterly destroy them. Like if you read Psalms 109, which is my favorite one, he prayed mm-hmm. that hey, these people are coming against me. Look, I mm-hmm. pray that you cut them off, that their yep. names be blotted out of the book. Yep. That their wives be widows and their children be orphans. I'm and be fatherless. I'm like, bruh. <laughs> yeah. He not he not playing. He not playing with his enemies. He's not playing with those who hate him. Right. A friend of mine tried to um I, man, she she definitely tried it. Um when I brought up that verse, she was like, Oh, she was he was just talking about that in a uh you know in a spiritual sense. I'm like, what is spiritual? What? <laughs> what, is, what? What is spiritual about no. wanting your enemies? <laughs> enemies' wives to be father, to be widows and their children to be fatherless. That's pretty physical. No, that's that's as physical as it as it gets. <laughs> I had, that's as physical I, as it gets. I had to reread the comment because I'm like, I, I, even even when faced with evidence, you still stick with the same. Okay, <laughs> okay. Hey, hey, it is. When when I when I'm looking at Psalm 35 right now, the first verse, plead my cause, O Elohim, against those who strive with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of the shield and block and buckler. Those are physical weapons of war. And stand up for my help. Draw out the spear, a physical weapon of war, and stop those who pursue me. It's some people that's being pursued here in America. And they look like me. 
they are being pursued by an enemy that is hell-bent on taking us out no matter what we do. And the scripture said, it goes on to say, say to my soul, I am your salvation. We still talking about a physical salvation. To this day, Negroes, black folk are still waiting to be physically saved from their oppressors. Yeah. Ain't no scripture talking about saved means you're going to heaven when you die. It's all about a physical salvation. And we, we got 10 minutes left, so we got to keep going. So what I want to do is I want to show you how this word sozo and this word soteria that specifically refer to a physical salvation is the same word when he says in Romans. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That is talking about a physical salvation. Physical. Matthew 24, verse 13. He who endures to the end shall be saved. Before that, that to give context of that scripture, he was talking about all of the trials and tribulations that will be going on in the last days. We're looking at them right now. We, we're in it right now. We're in the trials and tribulations that's going on in the last days. He's saying he who endures to the end, he who endures through the physical tribulations, the physical hardships will be saved. Luke chapter 1, verse 70 through 72. He spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began that we should be saved from our enemies. That word saved, which was quoted by the prophets in the Old Testament is the same word saved, sozo. That's the same, you shall be saved. If you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. It's the same word. It's a physical salvation. It's physical. It's all physical. And we still asking for it now. Now, you got a computer in front of you, Ismail? Uh, no, I can, uh, I can get in front of one. <laughs> Okay, get 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 in front of one real quick because we 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 running out of time, and I I want you to do this for me real quick. All right. What I want you to do is I want you to go and I want you to get on get on the website BibleGateway.com. All right. And make sure that you you got the New King James version. And I want you to type in the search saved and heaven. Just those two words saved and heaven to see if there's any connection with the word saved and heaven in the Bible. All right. Save. Tell me, tell me what scriptures come up. Um, there's three, do that. three script, three scriptures. There's okay. The, the Second Kings. I just typed in "saved heaven." Okay. And Second um, Kings fourteen verse twenty seven, and it says, "And the Lord did not say He would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, but He saved them by the hand of Jeroboam the son of Josh, Josh." Okay, um, so that's that's not saying that when you not, if you save you go to heaven. That's not what that's saying. Okay. That's not what it's saying. Okay. What about the what about the next one? Uh, Nehemiah chapter nine verse twenty seven. Therefore, you delivered 
them into the hands of their enemies who oppressed them. And in the time of their trouble, when they cried out to you, you heard from heaven. And according to your abundant mercies, you gave them deliveries who saved them from the hand of their enemies. Still physical. That's still still, still fit. Okay. Okay. All right. What's, what, what's the last one? The last one is Acts chapter 4, verse 12 salvation and any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved so the name under heaven there's no other name under heaven meaning there's no other name on the earth yeah where, whereby we so they're still not saying that save gets me into heaven okay um so there's no connection really not really to the word say what okay so maybe maybe salvation in heaven, let's try. Let's try salvation in heaven. All right. Okay. So now we got five verses. So um, okay, there's Isaiah forty-five verse eight: Rain down, heavens from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open and bring forth salvation, and let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. That. Yeah. That has nothing to do <laughs> with um. And then, and then to do with what happens when we die. No. That that sounds like something that's going to happen in the future. Yeah. Now lift up. Because uh, when he said John saw a vision of a new heaven and a new earth, that's what that sounds like. Yeah. That hasn't happened yet. Okay. Yeah, so what, what about the next one? Isaiah fifty-one verse six. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look on the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanquish away like smoke. The earth will grow old like a garment. And those who dwell in it will die in like manner, but my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will not be abolished. It sounds like okay. a future prophecy. Okay, so still no connection between dying and going to heaven. Right. All right. So being being saved. Okay. All right. And Acts chapter. Oh, we got Acts. That's the same one. It's the chapter. Is that the same one? It's the same one. Chapter four. Verse. It's the same one. Okay. All right, and then um, Revelation. Chapter 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his, of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. That still don't talk about it. And then um, the, last, the last one, Revelations 19, verse 1. Heaven exalts over Babylon. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, or Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. Okay, so we, we searched the entire word for say, any connection between saved and, and going to heaven or salvation and going to heaven, and there, there was none. Um, here's my theory, and we only got about four minutes left. So um, here's my theory. My theory is that where saved, being saved meant going to heaven when you die, I believe that came straight from the slave master. I believe that was their way of having such a level of cognitive dissonance that we're going to do all these horrible things to these people, to these Negroes. But if we just say Jesus is our Lord and Savior and accept him in our heart, we will go to heaven when we die. And 
I believe that that has been passed down over the years to us. And we have passed it down without stopping and thinking where this concept of salvation became heavenly when the word is very clear that it is physical. That's why I think it came from. But it's obvious as we have gone through the scriptures today that it's a bold-faced lie. Yeah. Ain't nobody going to heaven when they die because they say Jesus is their Lord and Savior. It's just it ain't gonna happen. So I agree. Like um it is a brilliant display of cognitive dissonance. How can mm-hmm. you come to terms with the sheer amount of wickedness that you've committed against these people? Oh, you gotta treat them as less than. Um, essentially condition your mind that these people deserve it. Think about um just from the very beginning, when the um, Spanish Inquisition started, one yep. person, I forgot his name, um, asked the Pope, like, yo, man, I don't feel right doing this. We're doing these wicked things to these people and enslaving them and stuff. And the Pope was like, oh, no, it's cool. You know, hey, look, just let, hey, look, it's perfectly fine what you're doing. They don't even believe anyway. So it's perfectly fine. Just mm-hmm. amounts of cognitive dissonance that happened over the course of all of this stuff. It, and essentially, it was just a, a way of coming to grips with, hey, yo, all this stuff that we're doing is pretty messed up. But hey, look, uh, even though you have these physical riches now, all you got to do is just say, hey, yo, you know what? I was wrong at the end of your life. And then you have riches in the afterlife. So essentially, you're just going to keep winning. And it gave essentially a clear conscience to the oppressor and false hope to the slave. A, a symptom that we are still suffering from to this day. We got about 90 seconds. Uh, I'm going to make my closing remarks and then is you can make yours and then we'll call it a day. So as you can see, we, we've gone through the scriptures. We've gone through the common verses as used to justify this lie about being saved means going to heaven when you die. All we asking is that you critically think about these things. Ask your pastors, ask your your uh, Sunday school teachers, ask your preachers in your church, ask your deacons, what's what's up with this? Where does it say in the word that saved means going to heaven when you die? And then look at their answers. And again, this is not to bash anyone. This is to point out the truth. We got to stop following these lies. We have to stop following these lies. The scripture says no, no one who believes a lie will enter into the kingdom of heaven. So we got to be careful about these lies that we spreading, and we got to make sure the scripture stays in context. Let's go ahead. We got about 30 seconds. Hey, pretty much I co-sign everything that you said. Be sure that you ask the important questions. Be sure that you read the important verses. Be sure that you contextualize it and you read the whole thing in its entirety and get the proper context. Otherwise, you're just going to be led astray. It's important to think. So, hey, yo, my name is Ismail. And that's Ernest. Ernest, E-Dub. Welcome to the first podcast of Church Lives. Be back next week. Peace.